0: Banks under pressure after refusing to hike rates on deposits, AGL Energy's shocker half year triggers a massive sell-off in the stock, and why Disney is no longer the Magic Kingdom. It's Friday, the 10th of February, 2023. Welcome to Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Michael Thompson, and good morning, Sean Aylmer. Good morning,
1: Michael. I'm very excited about this morning's interview.
0: Me too. So you're speaking with Dave Macquarie, who is the chief commercial officer at HP. This is one of the. This is a a big company, an old old company, and this is an Australian. Yes, I mean the chief commercial officer reports straight to the CEO,
1: and an Aussie named Dave has, has the job, which uh, is how we start the conversation. And we talk all about technology, about HP, and then you know, more about leadership and some of those sorts of issues. One of my favorite interviews this year so far,
0: Michael. Me too. I know we are in furious agreement over this. It is, a, it is a cracker of an interview, so it is well worth sticking around for. The main story this morning though, Sean, the big banks are under pressure to up interest rates on savings accounts after none of the big four took action straight after Tuesday's Reserve Bank decision, yet all quickly increased home loan rates. And it wasn't until late yesterday that one of the majors, after intense criticism, actually lifted deposit rates. Doesn't really seem fair, does it? No, not particularly. Mm,
1: The Commonwealth Bank, Westpac, National Australia Bank and ANZ were all pretty quick to lift their lending rates by 25 basis points. That was after the Reserve Bank lifted the official cash rate by 25 basis points, but it took until last evening for any of them to actually lift deposit rates at least for existing customers. Now, last night, National Australia Bank announced it would increased deposit rates by 25 basis points. I dare say by the time people are listening to this podcast, others may have followed suit, but it only occurred after pressure from the public and particularly from social media about the fact that they were moving on home loans, but not on deposit rates. Of course, many of the losers from this are actually pensioners because they're the cohort who rely most on bank deposits, and they're just not getting the benefit of higher rates. Now, I must point out one major bank, which is the Macquarie Group, it did lift rates. It lifted home loan rates, but it also lifted rates for borrowers, and that was across all lenders, not just new lenders, but existing lenders as well. So, kudos to
0: them. Yeah, well done, without needing all the public pressure. Now, I assume, Sean, that this is all about profit margins.
1: Yes, exactly. Or more correctly, net interest margins. Banks can increase the amount of money they receive on loans, but only slowly lift what they pay out on deposits. It's another one of those good for shareholders, bad for customers story, Michael. We seem to have had a few of those this year so far.
0: I'm actually putting together a list. Mm, are you? Yeah. Well, we, we, this is you
1: know, this one firmly fits into that category.
0: Uh, Sean, has the government got any ability to force the banks to lift deposit rates?
1: Well, no, it's a free market, but as we saw last night when National Australia Bank decided to up deposit rates, clearly the public has a role or the the court of public opinion really matters. The government can put moral pressure on the banks. A month ago, Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers asked the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission to investigate how banks set their deposit rates, including the timing of passing on official cash rate changes. That investigation will certainly get a kick along, given what's happened in the past 24
0: hours or so. Yeah, it certainly is a bit of an evolving story, this one. How did local markets perform yesterday?
1: s and ASX 200 closed down half a percent and fell back under that 7,500-point mark. In fact, by the end of the day, it closed at 7,490 points. Horrid day for AGL Energy, which I'll tell you about in a moment. The coal companies also fell back, led by Whitehaven, which was off nearly 6%. New Hope dropped 5%. The gold stocks didn't do so well either underperforming even though the price of the precious metal rose slightly. Market leader Newcrest was off 1.5% to $25.22. Among the large caps, ANZ was the only major bank to end the day in the black. CSL and the big retailers also went backwards. The big miners were mixed, while tech leader Tech Global was off more than 1.5% to $57.35. And it was a tough day for the insurers. QBE dropped 1.5% and Insurance Australia Group fell more than 3%. Right. And what about international markets? Well, the US Federal Reserve is certainly making it clear that it wants investors to think that that there are more rate rises coming. Yesterday, four different Fed officials said higher rates are needed to bring inflation back to the target. What that means in markets is that it pushes up the US dollar, the Aussie dollar is at about 69.5 US cents at the moment. It also pushes up yields. And it doesn't help equity markets. Yesterday, the broad-based S&P 500 index on Wall Street finished down more than 1%.
0: All right. We'll be back in a moment with the rest of the day's business news. Sean, former Federal Minister Alan Tudge, who has been embroiled in the robo-debt saga and last year in revelations of an extramarital affair with a staffer, has quit politics.
1: Yes, the former Morrison Government Minister for Human Services said he'll step down next week, less than a year after winning re-election for his seat of Aston in Victoria. He said it's necessary for his health and his family. Now, both Prime Minister Anthony Albanese and Opposition Leader Peter Dunn thanked Mr Tudge for his service to Parliament. Otherwise, in Canberra, there was confirmation that an Australian has been killed in the earthquakes that hit Turkey and Syria earlier in the week More than 15,000 people now are believed to have died in the disaster. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese in question time urged Parliament to rise above partisan debate on The Voice. He added that Australia's international reputation will be damaged if the referendum fails. He certainly has a fight on his hands on that one.
0: And also the government lost a Senate vote on superannuation disclosure reforms.
1: Yeah, this was interesting just because the group that got together to oppose the government's legislation, the opposition... The Greens and the Senate crossbenchers haven't really combined yet to take the government on. And that's probably the most significant part of what happened yesterday, more so than the actual legislation itself. The new rules they were trying to introduce abolished the requirement for super funds to disclose itemised information on donations, marketing and sponsorship expenditure. It was something that the big union funds, the industry funds were pushing. Instead, they would have provided a high level aggregate figure to members. That one isn't going ahead. But as I said, as interesting as anything, it's just the opposition, the Greens and the crossbenchers all voted together.
0: Yes, indeed. Now, AGL Energy yesterday said that it lost $1 billion in the final six months of last year, sending its share price down more than 10%. That's the worst daily fall, Sean, since 2007.
1: Yes, the energy
0: giant's underlying
1: profit fell by 55%, which was well below what the market expected. It was a fourth straight annual decline. Now, the massive bottom line loss, the billion dollars, reflected a write-down of the Loyang A coal power plant in Victoria and an annual accounting loss on the value of hedge contracts. What you really do need to look at is that underlying profit, and that was down 55%. The numbers were disappointing, but AGL only slightly downgraded its estimate of full year net profit. It did cut its interim dividend by 25%. Now, remember, AGL is an interesting company in the Australian corporate landscape. Its major shareholder is Grok Ventures, owned by billionaire Mike Cannon Brooks. Cannon Brooks basically forced AGL to write Loi Yang A down, and that followed his failed takeover attempt. Now, he joined with a crowd called Brookfield Asset Management to try and get AGL. That failed. Brookfield then went off and is now trying to take over AGL's big competitor, Origin Energy. So plenty going on, but the bottom line is AGL lost a lot of money last year.
0: Yeah, sure did. Did um, AGL say anything about electricity prices? Uh, Well, it
1: made it clear that household electricity customers need to expect significant increases, their words, in electricity tariffs in the middle of this year as higher costs to source power are reflected in the regulated tariff calculations. Now, tariffs are still heading up, which might be a surprise to some people because of the federal government's intervention on energy prices late last year. But the way tariffs are calculated depend on long-term average costs of sourcing power.
0: And That's still on the rise. Okay. Now, something that is coming down, Sean, airfares. Trending down slowly, though, and they should keep falling as competition among airlines ramps up. That's right. Actually, domestic airfares trended slightly higher
1: this month across all categories. That's according to the Bureau of Infrastructure, Transport and Regional Economics. But they are well off the peaks experienced in December. So the best discount fares are 75% off 2003 levels this month, compared to about 111% In December, the 2003 number is the benchmark. So, you know, how much above? A lot above in December, about 25% lower now. Earlier this week, Qantas boss Alan Joyce said consumer airfares would start to ease as more capacity is introduced to the market. He wrote an opinion piece in the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age. He said Qantas was back to 100% of pre-COVID flying levels for domestic routes. It'll be at about 80% for international routes by the middle of the year competitors are coming into the market and increasing capacity as a result airfares will fall
0: i don't know if you know the reason for this sean but why is 2003 the benchmark
1: absolutely no idea i was wondering i mean it's 20 years ago that'd be handy but uh, that's definitely not what it is so mostly when you you know anytime you're doing charting or graphing or numbers you kind of need a base and i suppose for some reason 2003 is a base yeah
0: Who who knows? Maybe no one actually in the industry even knows. And someone just plucked it out of the the air one day and goes, you know what, let's use 2003. And no one has been game to ask the question. And we here on Fear and Greed have just said, why is that? We want the response. We do. We demand an answer. I might have to be my homework for the next 24 hours. Oh, I don't think I've ever really set you homework before. Mm, I'm feeling powerful, Sean. Now, there are media reports around this morning that Fortescue Metals will cut hundreds of jobs across its head office and green energy arm even though iron ore prices are actually on the way back up. Yes, some reports say up to a 1000 jobs across Fortescue will go with
1: Fortescue Future Industries which has 1300 employees set to be hit hardest, but there'll also be job losses across head office and the Pilbara mining operations. Now the cuts still need to go to the board, Andrew Forrest still needs to tick them off. If they are to occur, they're likely to be announced next week when the mining giant reports its half-year results. Interestingly, iron ore prices still remain pretty high. Now, they're not where they were this time last year, but they're still above the decade-long trend. In fact, they're up about 1.5% at one point yesterday. Anyway, we have to wait and see on that one.
0: Okay, now staying in mining though, Sean, two vessels carrying Australian coal have arrived in China for the first time since an unofficial ban on imports two years ago. And several
1: more are on the way. China last month, in a partial easing of the import ban, granted permission to four central government-owned firms to bring in Australian coal, according to Reuters. One of the ships, called Tiger East, it's a dry bulk vessel with about 73,000 tonnes of thermal coal in it. That coal is from Queensland. It's discharging in one of the southern Chinese cities as we speak. Now, coal importers can unload their cargoes at ports first and then they apply for customs clearance. So everyone's watching to see once it's unloaded whether it gets customs clearance. Presumably, they are under the expectation that they will get it, but until it happens, it hasn't happened.
0: Otherwise, they're taking a pretty big punt, aren't they? They are. Hmm. Imagine they get uh, get rejected and got to shovel it all back onto the boat and take it <laughs> off somewhere else. I imagine it's a little bit more technical than that. Well, but well, it, it is, it's actually a real problem in northern
1: China because lots of uh, boats have gone and put coal on port and haven't got customs clearance.
0: So there's a logjam in northern China of coal. Oh, of actually just sitting at the port? Just sitting out there, Yeah, Oh, goodness me. Okay. Now, uh, Sean, Nine Entertainment is going to broadcast the Summer and Winter Olympics for the next decade, having snatched the rights from Channel 7. Yes, Nine ponied up $315 million
1: for the Games commencing in Paris next year. It also includes the 2032 Brisbane Games. The price includes $305 million in cash. And ten million dollars in free advertising. Now Seven has held the rights to the games since 2014. It's made a loss on them, given they also have to pay for production costs. We do know they made a loss because they had to do a write down on it. But it's probably less about the money, Michael, more about having flagship productions, which they then can promote other shows through. They're kind of known as tentpole broadcasts. And you know, you, you watch the Olympics, and you're just going to get ad after ad after ad about the bachelors which i'm pleased i mentioned because you let me into a little dirty secret you and sean are very keen watchers of the bachelor and the most recent season which was the bachelors there were three of them Mm. you watched religiously and in your words this has saved the franchise
0: well, yeah, i I felt that it did, and uh, you definitely put me on the spot here. I I feel I had a little bit of credibility on this show, and that evaporated about twelve <laughs> seconds ago. Um, uh, but yes, I feel like that the the format changes that they made this year, and really, I haven't watched it religiously up until this year, and then all of a sudden I just got sucked into it because of these format changes. They've really kind of livened it up, and and
1: and someone we both worked with at one point was on the show too, so yes, that probably got us watching. More than we normally
0: would. Yeah, it feels like, you know, a celebrity. Like, That's I right. Know, yep. Yeah. And so anyway, I don't know how we got onto that just then, Sean. Um, uh, it was all about the Olympic Games was the story just out of interest. So it feels like you manufactured that segue <laughs> just to embarrass me. Well, well played. I will have my revenge. Uh, finally, Sean, before we move on to international news, Mervac is one of the country's biggest property developers and investors and landlords, in fact. And yesterday, its share price fell 5% after it unveiled a big drop in revenue and profit. Yes, wet weather and labour
1: shortages hurt Mervac in the six months to the end of December. In fact, settlements were down by a third. But the group still reckons it can sell 2,500 residences for the full year. Now, it's battling high inflation and rising interest rates. On the other hand, it should benefit from the return of
0: migration this year. Sean, in international news, US intelligence agencies have assessed that China's spy balloon program is part of a global surveillance effort that is designed to collect information on the military capabilities of countries around the world. Yeah, I think this is really interesting because I have wondered ever since
1: this story appeared, what was behind it? Now, according to the New York Times, the balloon flights, according to some officials, are part of an effort by China to hone its ability to gather data about US military bases as well as those of other nations just in case there's a conflict or, you know, obviously there's rising tensions now. The balloons have some advantages over satellites that orbit the Earth. Now, They fly closer to the earth and they drift with wind patterns, which are not as predictable to militaries and intelligence agencies as the fixed orbits of satellites. And balloons can also evade radar. They can hover over areas while satellites are generally in constant motion. And finally, Michael, simple cameras on balloons can produce clearer images than those on orbital satellites. So according to this New York Times report, that's what
0: that balloon was all about. They're not very subtle, though, are they, Sean? They're, they're no. pretty big. And I don't want to be um, kind of giving too much advice to the Chinese military. No, but please. But have they thought about painting them blue with some clouds on the side? <laughs> Can we go on, please? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sean, we will we'll move on. Google owner Alphabet share price tumbled by the most in 3 months after a demonstration of its new artificial intelligence chatbot Bard sparked concerns that the tech giant has actually lost ground in the race for the future of internet search. Yes,
1: it wasn't the demonstration of the latest piece of wizardry that Alphabet really wanted. Now, Alphabet, Google, has been under pressure since developer OpenAI launched its popular chat box, ChatGPT, which many people think is the next generation of search. Remember, Microsoft has invested billions of dollars in ChatGPT or in OpenAI specifically. And on Tuesday, it unveiled a new version of its Bing search engine and Edge browser incorporating technology from the AI startup. The response from Google yesterday was a news conference in Paris where it shared more details about its progress integrating artificial intelligence into search. So far, so good. But according to Bloomberg, the presentation didn't really do so well. So in one instance, during the presentation, Bard was asked about new discoveries from the James Webb Space Telescope. In one of its responses, Bard said the telescope was used to take the first picture of a planet outside the Earth's solar system, which is incorrect. Hmm. Anyway, Alphabet's share price tumbled as much as 9% after the demonstration, the theory being that Google has been the dominant player in search. If AI takes a role in search, Google may not be quite up to the speed of
0: open AI. Yeah, it may not be quite as dominant as it once was. Sean, Disney isn't the magic kingdom anymore for the 7,000 workers expected to be cut in the next few years. Yes, the new chief executive, Bob Iger, or more correctly, the returning CEO, has been talking
1: about his new strategy for a while. He has finally unveiled it, and part of it is cutting 3% of the company's workforce. That will go as part of a broad restructuring that he says will save $5.5 billion dollars. It will revive creative output, Iger reckons, and make its streaming business profitable. He called it a significant transformation. Now, Disney's share price jumped sharply, but it certainly has upset many people within Disney, who, you know, many who have worked there for many, many years.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Now, up next, join is the Fear and Greed Daily interview with Dave Macquarie from HP. This is a cracker of an interview.
1: Yeah, my favorite interview of the year so far. I think we talk all things HP, but also the industry, technology stocks, working in the US, all sorts of things about uh, Dave's professional and personal life. Really fascinating chat.
0: Yeah, it's coming up next in the Fear and Greed playlist on your podcast platform or at fearandgreed.com.au. Thank you, Sean. Michael, thank you. I'm off to paint some balloons. Yes, good luck. It's Friday, the 10th of February, 2023. Make sure you're following the podcast. Join us online on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to check out our sister podcast as well. How do they afford that? This week, it is all about getting started investing in shares. I'm Michael Thompson, and that was Fear and Greed. Have a great day.